We are the Riverside chapter of the Messengers of Recovery. We have chapters in Southern California and Arizona. We're a bunch of guys that either rode with the devil or chased him. We're the kind of guys that if you saw us in a crowd, you would think that if he can get sober, then so can I. We decided to throw our chip into the hat and talk about our recovery in the hopes that you can learn from this podcast that you don't have to use or drink even if you want to. We are not A-A-N-A-C-A-S-A, and no one is from the damn DA. Once a week, we hope to bring you the message of recovery from speakers, panels, interviews, and sometimes just a meeting. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to our webpage, www.riversidechaptermor.com. There you can listen to the podcast, ask questions or comments in our forum section, browse our support recovery t-shirts, or just find out a little bit more about us. That's www.riversidechaptermor.com. Today is May 14th. We are at Salvation, Salvation Army. Army. Thank you. My name's Stephen. I'm an addict. <laughs> man, it's good to be here. And yeah, I get fired up. I get fired up for you guys, man. You know, I've been here. I was in 102D and I was upstairs. I forget what bed. I wasn't here very long, but, uh, you know, um, you're in a good spot. This is a good place. They teach you the things, you know, just like this guy right here. I used to come in here in the panels and, and do my homework. This is a 12-step program. And, you know, someone told me a long time ago that, uh, you know, if you're not working the steps, you're, 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 you're uh, loitering with the intent to recover. You know, and I found that to be true. You know, I loitered for a long time with the intent to recover. Thought, you know, I was going to meetings and hearing all the little cliches. And until I got involved in that step work, man, and, got, and dug really deep, you know, to find out, you know, what makes me tick, what, what, you know, and, and, you know, the good and the bad, you know, uh, my life started to change. You know, they say if you want to feel better, go to a meeting. If you want to change, you'll work the steps. And for me, man, I, I had to change. You know, I, I had over 10 years clean in this program and I found a freaking beer in my hand. And then shortly after that, it was a pipe. It goes hand in hand with me. If, I, if, I, if I'm using, I'm drinking. If I'm drinking, I'm using. You know, and it talks about in our literature, you know, that those who fully concede to their innermost selves, you know, and that's what I had to do. I thought, you know, with 10 years clean, man, that freaking maybe I outgrew it or, you know, basically what it was, it talks about property and prestige. Well, to first from our primary purpose, and that's what it was for me, man. I had my own business. You know, I drove a badass truck, lived in a badass house. And, and you know, I became like, don't you know who I am? You know what I mean? And what, and what I've done without working the steps, you know, I was, I was able to put, put that time together. But they talk about it, you know, in recovery, man. It's about being a dry drunk, bitter. I was angry. And it talks about in our, in our basic text, that word halt. You know, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. If you're, if you're any combination of those, you need to check yourself. A lot of those times, I was all of those. You know, I found it necessary to go back out, man, and, and um, I don't ever want that happen to me again, you know? So this time, man, I've got almost six years clean. I freaking, I, I, got, I dug deep, you know? When I was in rehab, man, I dug deep in those steps. You know, sometimes the little, the little three lines just ain't enough, you know? I had more shit to say. So I would, I would break, I had, I had, a, I had a, a binder, man, where I would, I would go on and on and on and on because he talked about, you know, the journaling and getting it out. You know, because our secrets will get us loaded. I wanted to make sure that I was working, because it talks about working them. You know, it talks about working the, the four steps, fearless and thorough. I worked every step, every question, fearless and thorough. Because I did not want to find out, 
you know, I find, find myself later on down the road with time, you know, with the bitterness and the, and the anger and, and, and finding it necessary to go back out and use again, man. It, it's life and death for me. You know, it really is. You know, a head full of recovery and a body full of dope just didn't work. Um, I lived on the side of the freeway, man, just hoping for one day I had the gumption to step in front of a big rig. And what brought me back, man, I got to be honest, was the embarrassment. Because where I got clean was where I choose to go and run my little muck. And I would run into people in, 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 in the rooms, man. And, and I, I was, I, I'd, always, I'd always go do my thing at night because I was always afraid if I was walking down the street, man, my kids would be inside the car with their mom and be like, oh, look, there's dad. You know what I mean? That, and that's what really freaking brought me to my knees, man. You know, I, I was, my, I was my, my, my boys' hero, you know. Went from hero to zero real quick. You know, it, it's kind of sad, man, because they, they really don't want anything to do with me today. You know, they still see me because they were five and nine, five and seven at the time, and uh, they saw me being detained by 11 police officers in the front yard, man. i never forget, you know, I wouldn't give up my hands. I was on my stomach. They were trying to get my hands, had me all tied up in a pretzel, and, and I reached up for a breath of air, man, and there were my boys right there in the blinds, freaking looking up at the blinds, and I could still see their faces, man. The fear, and they're like, the, what the is going on? You know what I mean? I got put in check by a patch holder last time, man. I, I throw that F word out. And I, and I, and I, got, I got to try to grow up a little bit. You know what I mean? My, my story's not all, you know, da, da, da. You know, I, I, try to, I try to reach people where they're at, but I'm, I'm trying to grow up in my recovery, man, and not, not cuss so much. So I do apologize, man. I know this is a Christian-based program. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm just forgiven. You know, I worship the same God, you know, that, that they introduce here. And if the G-O-D word scares you, man, hey, you know, you, you can borrow my God. You know, my God is loving and caring, and, uh, you know, he's all-powerful, man. And, um, you know, like I said, man, I get excited for you guys. You know, because I, I used to sit in here and I used to trip on the phone, you know, and it's, fuck that phone, man. You know what I mean? Fuck what she's doing. You know, she probably left your ass for a reason. You know what I mean? Come in here, man, and get, you know, fucking pull your bootstraps up, man. Pick your head up and freaking and, 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 and do this thing, man. You got a short six months in here. You know, it, it goes by so quick. I know it seems like forever if you're just getting here, but it goes by so quick. You know, and then life happens again. You're going to get out. You got to get a job and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, and they say you can do anything you want in recovery, man, as long as you're willing to pay the consequences. You know, I've been going exempt for the last year, and I went and did my taxes yesterday, and it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. I guess it made a little, you know. But you know what? It's okay, man. It's okay. I'm still clean. I'm going to walk through it, you know, because they say that two things will get a guy loaded. It's finances and romances. You know, sweating the old lady on that phone, and she's covering the phone, and you know it, and for, who's there. And, man, just, you know what? Like I said, man, there's probably a reason why she's, be that man that she's looking for. Don't get clean for her. Get clean for you. But, but, but that's the key thing, man, is to fall in love with yourself enough. And I'm going to say this, man. This, is, this, is, this runs deep with me. You know what I mean? Like yourself enough or fall in, fall in love with yourself enough to where you ain't got to go and do those things that you thought you had to do. And that's my goal today, man. You know, I got a pretty bitch in life today. You know what I mean? I got a pretty bitch in life today. You know, and I challenge you guys. Write a freaking, write, write a goal list. You know, write, put down some goals, some short-term goals, some long-term goals. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I challenge you to hold on to that sheet, man. So when shit starts to happen in your life, we'll see, you'll see how, how much you shortchange yourself. You really do. No offense, man, but when I got here, I was so desperate. I was like... Dude, I just want to drive the freaking truck for the Sally. That's my, that, I'm going to retire doing that. You know what I mean? And I would have been cool with that, man. Thank God that that didn't happen. 
You know what I mean? Uh, when, when, when I freaking opened up that freaking trailer door, man, it was like a big old freaking free-for-all. Woo-hoo! You know what I mean? And you got to get over that shit, man. I don't care if it's a fucking Q-tip, man. Leave that shit alone. You know what I mean? Because God's watching, man. It talks about honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. You know what I mean? And how can we go around thanking God for our blessings and all that when we got stolen shoes on and, and shit all up in our locker and underneath the, you know, taking the screws out of the floorboard? I know. I know where all the staff spots are at. You know what I mean? I know I've been there. You know what I mean? Small brick and brack. Woo-hoo! You know, Ray kicked me out of the warehouse, man. Yeah, the first time I was here, I looked like a freaking woolly mammoth walking down for freaking chow. I had so many freaking clothes on me. He's like, come here, bro. Come here. What are you doing, man? You know what I mean? I had Quicksilver this. And, and that was another thing, man. I freaking put on this Quicksilver jacket. Boom, boom. I put my hand, and I knew exactly what was in my hand. It was a pipe. And I pulled it out, and there was a baggie of dope rolled up in the end of the pipe. I held onto that thing up in my freaking room for like three days, laying there just sweating like, Fuck, man, if I do this, man, everybody's going to... Because I'm going to blow it when I freaking get loaded, man. I take one hit and... You know what I mean? And, and, and I freaking finally flush that shit. You know, we're going to have... We're going to come across those times, man, when, you know, when, 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 we're, when we're faced with that challenge. You know, and we really got to make that decision. I knew if I freaking used that dope, I was heading back to the joint. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, man, because I'm institutionalized like a motherfucker. You know what I mean? I've done five terms, two numbers. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I fit in real well. But I'm tired of it, dog. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of freaking, I'm, I'm done. You know what I mean? I like girls too much anyway, so you know what I mean? And my motorcycle. You know, and, 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 and thank God for this system because I'm a, I'm a product of AB 109. You know what I mean? Back in the day when I had my J number, man, you, you had to parole to an address, and if not, they paroled you to a house. You know what I mean? And I was always hitting the streets, always run from the gate because my 200 bucks did not go to freaking, for nothing else but freaking woohoo. You know what I mean? Let's see what we can get. You know what I mean? I look for my most shot out homeboy and be like, yeah, I want what you got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, thank God today, man. You know, I went in and told my parole officer I was transiting on the streets, man. And he's, you know what? If I test you today, what am I going to find? I'm like, fucking everything, man. You know what I mean? You name it. He's like, dude, don't tell me. I said, you know what, man? I need some help. I need some freaking help. And that's when he, he put me in Casa Los Palmas out in Indio, man. And, um, you know, that's a, it's a good freaking spot, man. You know, as a, as a result of me being there in that little track out in front, the park out in front, man, I, would, I, I didn't watch TV. I didn't do my, I, I, I worked my steps. Thank God that I, ha- I had a little bit of, you know, talks about, you know, returning to sanity, you know. Um, you know, God restored my sanity, man, that, that I, I, I had to fully concede, man, that, that I'm fucked up. You know what I mean? And, and it's, the drugs are only a symptom. It's what's going on inside of here. And that's what that bookwork will help us. It'll help us put our pieces of our puzzle back together, man. You know, sometimes we don't, you know, we try to force them in. And, and I'm not perfect. I make some fucked up decisions. You know what I mean? Like going exempt all year. Now I've got to pay the IRS 10 grand. You know what I mean? But it's all good. I'm not going to get loaded over it, man. I'm not going to get loaded over it, you know? And uh, that's the thing, man. You know, we, 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 I, this is the same shit that I got loaded over when I had 10 years clean was finances. And when the economy fell in 2009, I was a general contractor. There was no work to be found, and I freaking gave up. You know what I mean? And, and I regret it, but you know what? It, it's a story. It's my story. You know what I mean? And I know that God is going to use it for, for his glory because what, what, what the devil meant for evil, God turns into good. You know what I mean? And I know he's going to restore my family. He's going to restore me. You know what I mean? And, and I got to share with you guys, man. This ain't for you. I, you guys are all a blur right now, man. I'm trying to keep what I got by giving it away. You know what I mean? I hope to God that I see you guys out at outside meetings. 
you know? And when you guys go on your pass, man, I'll close with this. I don't want to hold you guys hostage because I can talk all night about what the benefits of this program has done. <laughs> but you know what? When you go out on your outside passes, hit a meeting. Hit a meeting that's close to your pad, man, because you don't want to be lost when you get out of here. You know what I mean? If you don't have a home group, man, you're homeless. You know? I love you guys, man. It's, a good, it's cool to see a good group. Like I said, man, you guys are in a good spot. Don't let frick, you know, and hang out with the winners. We all know who's shucking and jiving, who's here on their own. You know, I don't know if they still send, you know, fresh from the gate. It doesn't matter, man. It's about you and what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. Thanks for letting me share. My name's Cole and I'm an addict. Cole. Grateful to be in a, a panel of Narcotics Anonymous. I want to pray for the addict out there that still suffers it. He may wander into this this program and find something that uh, uh, give him a better life, you know. I don't really know much about your guys' program, but what I do know is it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's God-centered, you know, and I see some stuff on the wall. Um, that's how it was with me, you know, and um, what's on my heart today, real quick, I wanted to share with you guys is, uh, is a acceptance over expectation, this too shall pass. I know how it is in a rehab setting, you know, you, somebody's bugging each and every one of you right now, but this is such a short time in your life that um, this too shall pass and learn to accept stuff and not uh, harbor resentment, you know, because they only fester yourself and mess with your recovery. And again, um, I want to thank you for participating in my recovery because I get, I, I get a lot out of this because it's a lesser chance of me using today by coming and getting out of my head and sharing with you guys my story, you know, and that, that's how it works. It benefits us both, you know. You know, I, I, I'm 52 years old. I can't go into my whole log. You know, I started, uh, you know, I progressed in everything. Drank beer, ended it with vodka, uh, smoked speed, ended it with slamming it. That's where it, that's where it took me in, in later on in life, you know. That was my drug of choice. Started getting in a lot of trouble, you know. Um, I had a good job for a while. I was speaking with this gentleman over here. I, I, I was a, a union iron worker for a long time, you know, and um, started. That's where I ended up finding drugs, you know, actually in the in the field, you know. I got turned on to it on a job site, and next thing I know, I was kicking ass, you know, at work. And but I couldn't do it right, you know what I mean? I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna stop. I didn't realize I was a true addict at the time, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that when I ingest drugs into my system, an instant craving takes over. You know, I can be next to the guy next to me, and, uh, and he, we do the same issue, right? He's like, hey, I'm going to go home, and I'm, my wife's making dinner. I'm like, I'm like no, dude, like, I'm going to go hit a bar. I'm going to go hit the homie. I, I'm already, once I ingest it into my system, I'm looking for more. Even when I have some on me, I'm, I'm looking for more. And I, I didn't realize that at the time that, um, <clears throat> that I was an addict, you know? I just thought that I really liked to do dope. I, I, as I look back at it now, they, through counseling and all that, they told me that my wife was an enabler. But, you know, there's a term for that. But, man, she was just a good old lady, man, that stuck it out for me, you know? And I would never label her like that. She would put up with me leaving for three, four days at a time and then coming back to the pad and, and, and opening the door. Well, my whole family was like, don't let him back in the pad, you know? And, um, and I don't blame her at, at, at all for that. You know, as I worked on myself, like I said, I found out certain things. That, that's how I'll end out with her. She's just a good old lady, man, that stuck it out for me. As time went on, I, 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 uh, I ran here, right around here in Lin, Inland Empire. 
you know, meth was running rapid right now, but it's like, um, you know, and that was, that was my thing. And I won't go into who I was hanging with or anything like that. Cause it's not important. We were doing a lot of crimes and, um, you know, I was a good family man. I, I, I think like later on when I came into recovery, I thought I was suffering from a post-traumatic stress disorder because, um, I fucking fought it the whole time I was out there, you know, like, like I was married with kids and I would go out and I had this double life, right? I had this, which I should have been excited to have the family in the house. My old lady had a good job with the school district. Like we're not married anymore, but um, to this day, she's like been there like 33 years. So, and then I was a union iron worker. We always had good money, nice stuff, but she always worked every day. And sometimes when I, I would um, F off a job. I would should not show up for a couple days, and then I would lose my spot there. But being a good journeyman, I could just go on this list and find another company, you know, and then do right for a while and do good like that. But the bills always got paid because my old lady had a good job, you know. And so that was another thing that it made it okay what I was doing because she kept letting me back in the pad and the bills were paid. And, like, and I, was, I, was, I was a good dude when I was at home, but this, like, she would get the call from, uh, you know, I've been in Orange County for like 20 years. Everybody, like, not a lot of you probably are down there, but there's the infamous loop, right, in the jail down there. And everybody doesn't want to hit that loop because it's the longest 24 hours of your life. You know, they let you out of one cell and you're like, finally, I'm going to get a rack. And then they put you right back in the next one. It's a big loop you go through. And I'll call her from there. And, and uh, you know what I mean? And I'm once again back, back busted again, you know. <clears throat> I found it really hard to go to, uh, it's hard to go to prison these days because you got to really, you got to be a violent offender or, or rob a house or something. Like, I just did dope and stole cars and all I ever did is do jail time. Uh, so then this, as it went on, that's what I would do. I would go in and out, in and out. By then I was in my mid-40s. So I finally got busted again, and my PO was just like, hey, you know, you, you, I think you need rehab. And I'm like, no, rehab's for quitters, and was just talking all kinds of smack, right? What, was, what, what I think I had going for me at the whole time was I was raised in the church. I'm a firm believer in God. I went to Sunday school the whole nine yards. My grandfather was a minister. I just, I, I've, I always believed, but I would put God in a box when I was out. But when a cop would get behind me, I was like, oh, God, please don't let me go. I promise I won't do this again. And the cop would turn off, and I'd go right to the back, sit out, sit on a mattress in the garage and smoking a, smoking a pipe, you know, when I just prayed to God that I wouldn't do it no more, you know. And so I've always been a believer like, like that. So when I finally got out, and it was like in um, 14 or 15, they're like, yeah, you got to go into rehab. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, She's, I checked in with her, and she's like, okay, come back in two weeks. And I was like, okay, that's a good head start. That's the way I looked at it, man. I had a two-week head start before they had looked for me. And then because I was in Orange County, I got busted in there, and I'll go into the IE and immerse myself in, in this town. I'm from Rubido. I went to Rubido High School. Mission Junior High, I'm from all that area, you know, and uh, and so I'd immerse myself in there, and I had a lot of friends. I did right when I was younger, you know. I didn't didn't steal nobody's shit. I, you know what I mean? I, I don't need to get into that, but I'm able to go wherever I want without getting the shank in my neck or something, you know. And so, but that turned out to be a double-edged sword because it made it too easy for me to get loaded. And then I would be good. I would be like, you know what, man? I got dope in my pocket, money in my pocket. 
you want to go steal a car? Yeah, let's go. Because I like the excitement. And then we would steal it good, and we, we'd do it all good, but then we'd drive it at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? And then we'd get, and before I knew it, I was busted again. And I, I would, that's when it would set in. I would still be high, but I would be like, Oh, man, dude, it was like, even though I was high, it would set in. Like, like the adrenaline would flow down a little bit. And I was like, damn, I'm busted again. I want my family. That's what I wanted my family, man, when, when I was busted. And I was like, you can't, you can't have it like that, you know? And so, of it, so I was supposed to go in the rehab that time. So then I got out in March of 2016. And they're like, you have to go into the rehab. And luckily, my wife had insurance. I'm like, I ain't going into no indigent, woo, 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 rehab. You know, I'm going into a Cadillac rehab. We got good insurance. So I, I set all the rules, right? I was just like, you know, and, and uh, I, I went to this one in San Camini, like this $5 million house that had a chef that wore a hat around. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to work, go nowhere to where they had a cook. You know, I, I was like setting all the rules, man. And I had no desire to get clean. I was just going to take care of that six months that, that I didn't even know the term clean, right? I just wanted to get her off my back. They would come fully dressed to my rehab and uh, two women all packing guns, you know, and they're just like, hey, you're still here? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and they're like, oh, man, I tell you, Cole, like, 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 it's so much easier when you're busted. It's less paperwork. So let me know, man. Just, you know, take off. And it, like she hated me. Her and my wife had become friends at the time. And they're like, they both hated Cole because she was an older, older lady. And she was like, you're putting this woman through shit and I'm going to teach you a lesson. She used to be real hard on me, you know what I mean? She, she was hard on me. She would give me the full, like, whatever, break me off, man, on the violations and stuff like that. And um, But anyways, I ended up going into this rehab, right? And being a, it's a double, I don't know if this is run like that, but this was a two-sided rehab. It was spiritual and traditional. Spiritual being God through the Bible and traditional being the 12 steps of the of the fellowships. And um, so I started going in, in to do the, uh, to the, to the, the Bible part. And again, God knows my heart as I sit here today. I get on my knees every morning on my bed after I make it. I sit there. But God knows my heart when I share this that um, I went out with a guy on a retreat. They asked, they pray, you know, at, at like a, they let you go on the weekend for a little bit. And I went to this retreat, right? And they asked if uh, anybody struggling with addiction, go ahead and stand up. There's about 120 guys in the room. And I stood up and I was the only one. <coughs> And I'm telling you, man, I got some looks like, just because you're in church, don't, you know what? God knows my heart. I'm not going to share about my, my opinion on people, but I got some different looks that made me real uncomfortable. And I all of a sudden said, this isn't going to work for me, the Bible. You know what I mean? And, and I'm a believer, but I just didn't click with that crowd, like the church crowd. And so then when I went back to the rehab, and I started, they, they take you, they force you to go to meetings, right? Like, I was like, I didn't want to go. We are in a 15-passenger van. I'm older. I'm institutionalized. And I got 21-year-old kids, like, waving out all the windows. It had probably about 150 windows in the van because I could not hide no matter how hard I tried in a 15-passenger van. And I felt so stupid. But I remember I'll go to the meetings. And, and part of my addiction is women, too. I really love women, you know. And I would sit in the back of the room and chop it up, eat all the cookies, drink all the coffee, and just women watch, you know, girl watch, you know. And just uh, that's all I really wanted to do. I had no desire to get clean, you know, at that time. And then I heard a guy share about 
he drank 100 proof vodka and he shot dope and i was like no way it, it, i heard that out of all the homeboys see i clicked up and i was like i couldn't get any further back in the room and that, that's what i wanted to do just do my time and go and then next thing i know i heard this guy share out everybody jabbing around me look at that chick she's you know she's got a lot of recovery in her she's thick you know and 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 i'm just like whatever and i heard it right and so i end up talking to that guy and i couldn't believe that somebody was worse than me because a lot of socialization came with my drug but a lot of by myself too where i'll be like no dog i'm gonna this is this is mine this is mine and i'll do a lot of a lot, a lot of dope by myself you know and i didn't think anybody was like me you know and um Lo and behold, I get into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, and there are a whole hell of a lot of people like me, even some of them worse, you know. And, and um, so I felt a little more comfortable, you know, and I, I started um, looking at the steps on the wall and read them, and they did nothing for me, you know. And so um, I end up calling that guy back. You know, it's really hard to trust another man, you know. Being, being, like, being like busted, you don't want to be weak, and you don't want to, like... Hey, hey, dog, you know, I'm struggling, you know, you know, no, I'm good, dog, I'm good, like, like, you know, I'm sitting in a rehab, my family don't want nothing to do with me, but I'm good, like, you know what I mean, it's like, come on, man, you know, they talk about the spiritual awakening and stuff like that in the book, you know, and um, I believe I was having a spiritual awakening at that time, you know, I had wrote some, I didn't realize the pen to the paper thing, how it worked, but I end up writing some stuff down one day because they give us assignments. And then I read it a couple days later. It, it asked me what brought me to rehab. And I wanted to write something all cool, like, yeah, I just got, you know, I just wanted somewhere to crash out and eat some good food. But I couldn't think of anything other than I stole from my family. I ran around on my wife. I was a shitty father. I didn't do any. I just wrote it all down, not thinking anybody would look at it as a homework assignment. And they had me read it. And as I started reading it in a big setting of other guys like this, I was, I, I couldn't fucking believe, oops, excuse me, I couldn't believe I was that guy. I started bawling, man, that I was that guy. It took my mind to write it down, to read it back to myself, to process it, who I had become. And it, it was crazy, man. It was a, a spiritual awakening that, that, that gives me goosebumps today because I'm so grateful that it happened, you know. As I, you know, as I went through rehab, like, um, it started, things started to get better, you know. I, um, I remember at one time I regretted not going to a co-ed rehab. We'd go to meetings and I would see all these guys with girls and I was like, they have those rehabs? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what was I thinking going into a men's rehab? <laughs> but... <laughs> But now that I look back on it, it was totally God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Like he helped me make these decisions that, that, that you know, is why one of the reasons I'm here today, you know, is because that was one of my weaknesses. And, and I see that the people all the time click up right away and I would get jealous. Damn, that guy is already hooking up with that girl. And that takes away from your focus of recovery, you know as time went on you know my wife didn't want anything to do with me and as I got out of the treatment and stuff it's like Steve said once you leave here man you 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 want to get into a home group because maybe a lot of you don't want to be here or you don't you know what I mean this is this is one of the chances you got a lot of us don't have a lot of recovery left in us but we have a ton of relapses you know what's going on out there man like when you come into these rooms of these programs you see a lot of people that don't make it 
Like last year, I had probably three different numbers that I deleted out of my phone because they were either OD'd, committed suicide, or doing like a 12-year term. All guys that I was sitting next to in the program, you know, and that's what's waiting for me out there. So if I can tell you guys anything like that, get, you know, like I said, get what you can get out of this program. Don't let your neighbor bug you because he snores or, or he, you know, eats all the peanut butter or, and doesn't leave, you know, and all there's bread left. Don't let the little things eat you away, man. This too shall pass. Thanks for letting me share. I'm Chad. I'm an addict. Thanks for being here today. I don't know if you guys really have a choice. This seems like the fullest the room's been for a while. Kind of cool to have a different audience. It looks like different faces. That way we're not saying the same shit all over and over. Unlike Steve, I really don't care about cussing. I cuss. It's, it's what it is. I'll be forgiven or not. But I don't know. Cole, Cole was, you know, he was saying some stuff right now. It kind of dawned on me. He said he deleted some numbers. And, and, and the people that have passed since I've been sober, I don't delete their numbers. Because every once in a while, I'll be, I'll be scrolling through and I'll see those people that have passed. ODs, you know? Jake Ensman popped up in my phone the other day and I looked at it and it made me pause. He OD'd six years ago. And he was doing good. He was doing well. And he OD'd. And then there's people that, that, that have passed away sober. And those numbers pop up. You know, there's a guy in our club, Cowboy. There's another guy that, who, his, his, we have Cowboy James and there's another guy, Cowboy Paul. You know, he died sober with 40-something years sober. I saw him the morning that he died. I walked out of the meeting, I said, hey, how you doing? He had a heart attack later on that day, but he died sober. You know, and, and, and I always remember those people and I keep them in my phone as reminders. Not only the good, but the bad as well. You know, I, I'm a product of the system. I was adopted at birth when I was seven. I was taken out of that home and I was put into the system, put into, uh, into a foster home. Uh, I learned how to fight, or I thought I learned how to fight in those scenarios. Um, I fought a lot. The more, I, the more I went through the system, the more I fought, and then they put me in a group home in Compton, and then I learned how to fight for reals, getting chased a lot, getting, you know, all that fun stuff. You know, I was a white kid in Compton. I ran around and I did those things. I got stabbed the first time uh, in the neck when I was 14. I got shot again when I was 16. I got shot again when I was 18. Um, I ran around with guns. I ran around with dope. I stole cars. I stole from people. I robbed people. I did all that. That's what I did. That's what life was, you know. When I got sober, I, my, my sobriety date is January 1st, 2010. I got high the last time in L.A. County Jail. I didn't get sober because I, I wanted to stop at the time. We just ran out of dope in the dorm. There was no more. And I was going home five days later. So I ran out. My sobriety date is January 1st. It's what it is. I went back to a sober living. And, 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 and I had had, you know, I've done a couple terms, and, and I ran around and I did those things. And I went to Alcoholics Anonymous the first time, and I stuck around for all the wrong reasons. I stuck around because I wanted stuff. Right? I wanted a job, I wanted a girlfriend or two, um, I, w I wanted a car, and I wanted a place to live. Because unlike some of these guys, I never experienced any of that. You know, I ran the streets. I hit the gate, I'm gone. Right? I'm sleeping in abandoned houses, I'm sleeping in stolen cars with car covers over them. I got a sack of dope in my ass cheeks and a gun in my back pocket. And that's how I ran. Got out, when I, when I, when I paroled, when I did my last violation, because I paroled in 07, then I got out again. I, I did a few violations. I had tattoos all over my neck, my face, and my hands wrapped around everywhere. All of it. And at about a year sober, I made the decision that, hey, you know, that's not the person that I want to be. You know, I, I did. I did a different, I did Alcoholics Anonymous, but the program introduced me to somebody that I didn't want to be anymore. It showed me that that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. It's not who I want to present to the world. You know, I, I wrote down that goal list like Steve was talking about, and the goals that I wanted 
or to be a business owner. And if I'm expecting people to hand me money, right, on a whim that don't know me, I can't walk in there with, with, with Compton tattooed across the front of my neck. You know, I can't, I can't walk in there with, with shit on my eye and tattoos coming off my head and, and the whole neighborhood on my fingers. So I made the decision to, uh, to, to laser them all off, and it's the best decision I made. But it, it, it completely changed the way I'm able to, keep, to present myself to other people. And that didn't come, the decisions and the, and the realizations didn't come because I came around and hung around Alcoholics Anonymous. It didn't come because I talked a good one and I, and I told you that I was this and I was that. It came because at some point I became desperate enough to do something to change myself. At some point I, I, I became desperate enough to do the steps. And when I did step one, and if you ever do step one, I'm telling you right now that the only course of action that you have is to do the rest of the steps. Because once you've bought into step one, then you've bought into it. That's what it is. You have to do it. And if you don't know what the steps are, you can get with me after this and I'll tell you what the steps are. I'll give you my phone number and I'll walk anybody through here. If you want to call me, if you want help with it, I'll do it. Because somebody did it with me. I haven't walked perfectly in sobriety. You know, I, I got married and, and I cheated on her. You know, just because we give up the, the drugs and the alcohol doesn't mean that we give up all the behaviors that go with it. I like to chase pussy too, a lot. You know, the hardest thing I've ever had to do is make amends to a woman for shit that I did with her, that I, when I was sober. Decisions that I made with no, no drugs or alcohol in my system, I did that in and of myself. You know, and I had to make amends to that woman, and I have to make amends to that little girl for breaking up that family. You know, it, it, it's not easy. It's not, I don't like it. You know, she barely texts me. I, I maybe get a text a week from her. You know, I woke up this morning, and... and I got to sleep in a little bit. I have a 13-week-old puppy right now, and uh, we're crate training and potty training that thing, and, and she's uh, she's fun. She loves me better than everybody else, so, so it's good. My, my, my fiance gets mad because she comes to me no matter what. You know, but I woke up, and I took her out, and I had a cup of coffee, and I got my guys running, you know, and, and the goals that I set down for myself have started to come to fruition. You know, I'm self-employed. I'm a business owner. I don't drink, but I build coolers and liquor stores. I'm in three or four different liquor stores a week. You know, I met with a guy today, and we, we went in this store, and the whole store is nothing but liquor, just straight liquor. And I, I build I walk-in coolers for them. You know, I sold two jobs today, and, and I had, while I was doing that and walking those jobs, I have employees that are taking care of business for me. And I only get that. I only get to do those things because the program allows me to do it, because I've taken some steps to be the man that I'm supposed to be. I've taken some steps to learn some principles to apply into my life that I didn't learn on prison yards, that I didn't learn in alleys, that I didn't learn in garages, that I didn't learn when I'm running around carrying guns and doing those things. I learned how to apply those principles into my life. You know, and I'm not going to give you all the secrets. If you want the secrets, do the work. Right? If you want the secrets, get into the book and find out who you are and why you do the things you do. Me? You know, I, I said that I didn't like jails. I said that I didn't like taking showers with men. I said that I didn't like all those things. Well, why the hell did I keep doing it? Because I, could, I did not have the ability to not do it. I've learned that, you know, unless I place a power in my life greater than myself, I will not say no given the chance. If I have the choice, if it's my choice left up to me, I won't say no. I can't do it. There has to be a power outside of me that gives me that ability. I, I haven't done it perfectly. I haven't. I, you don't have to do it perfectly. The only thing I've done perfect in the past 11 years is not pick up a drinker pill. Or, you know, I, I like to shoot dope and I like to do a bunch of weird stuff too. So, you know, this is a good, this is, it, it's a good start. 
Most of you guys have probably done some time, so what the fuck is six months? What are you doing here? Chilling in your room? Hanging out? Thinking about all the stuff you're going to do when you get out? Put some shit down on paper. Write down about yourself. All the shit they talk about in the fourth step, you're like, oh, I don't want to do the fourth step. It's just because we're lazy. You think about that shit all the time when you're sitting in a cell anyways. Done this, I've done that, I burned this person, I did that. Just put it down on paper. For me, the fifth step was the harder one. I didn't make a habit of telling on myself or other people, so... You know, I, I didn't want to sit down and tell anybody else about it. it. It's all it's all really easy. We just make it very difficult by what our mind spins. You know, I don't know where you guys all live. You know, I just moved out here to Riverside. If you want to hit a meeting when you get out of here, you know, our clubhouse is at 6820 Airport Drive, Riverside. You know, we're there. And if you want help or you, if, if any of us can do anything, because just like I offered, I'm pretty sure any of these guys, our numbers are, are readily available. And I'll walk you through steps, I'll guide you to meetings, I'll do anything I can to help people out. Shit, if you're a good worker, I'll even employ you. It takes you. Nobody can do it. Not your mom, not the judge, not your PO, nobody else. Not even your kids. You have to do it. You have to decide that you want a life rather than doing, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys don't like, you know, being here. You know, I'm pretty sure you guys want to, you know, be with your families, be with your kids, be with whoever. And that starts with doing some work on yourselves. So thank you guys for listening to me. I'm Hollywood. I'm an alcoholic. What's up, guys? Grateful to be here. Grateful to be in a, a panel, a meeting. Uh, I consider this a meeting. We're all alcoholics. We're all addicts. You know, uh, I, my sobriety date is January 13th, 2019. I'm a little different from the rest of these guys who shared before me. You know, I've never been to jail. and never got shot or stabbed or anything. One thing, right? The one thing that I do have in common is that I have a, a obsession to drink and, and, a, and a, to use. I'm an alcoholic, you know, I'm an addict. You know, we're all here for the same reason. You know, I've been in the same seat as you guys. I haven't done this program, um, but I've been on the other side of panels coming in and, and telling me what it's like out there after, you know, you're getting out of a program or um, a sober living or anything like that. I'm, I come from San Diego. I'm 23 years old. I'm young. Uh, I got sober at 21. You know, I just, I like doing these things because it's not just for you guys to hear me, like Cole was saying. This shit's for me, too. You know, I need practice. Last time I was here, I fucking choked. <laughs> Straight the fuck up. But I, I, need, I need to be telling you guys how it is for me and what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. You know, I'm the kind of alcoholic that um, puts everybody down uh, I think about myself, selfish, self-centered. That all derives from fear, you know, fear of, of losing what I have or, or not getting what I want. You know, these are all, these are all things that the book and, and, you know, having a sponsor in the program has really taught me over the last two years is that uh, I'm not in fucking charge. That's a, that's a concept that I still kind of have uh, trouble getting to and, and coming to terms with, but... I guess I'll just kind of keep it short. I don't want to go on like these fucking prospects did. But, uh, <laughs> you know, coming from San Diego, um, got my first DUI when I was 18. Um, got a bunch of minor possessions. You know, after, after I got my DUI, I promised you, promised my mom, promised the family, I'd never drink again, never use again. Same night, felt a little better, right? The hangover kind of went away, and I find myself going out and getting more booze and getting more drugs or whatever it was I wanted to do that day. You know, that, that shit went on uh, for a long time. Uh, it talks about crossing that invisible line. 
um, into like a party or like having fun and then having fun with problems and then it's just problems. For me, that shit, probably 16 or 17, I, I started heavily drinking and heavily using um, every day, every night, put my whole life on pause and, and that was off and running. I think, uh, I think getting a DUI was, you can call it eye-opening, right? It was for about a week. Just kind of went into a crazy headspace, you know? It, it, it's, it's hard to remember. Uh, high school, junior high, fucking right out of high school, is all a blur for me. Got into, into working in the union as a carpenter. I was the guy in the stalls while everybody else was at work with their bags on, doing lines of cocaine off the shitter, you know? I, I, was, I would never show up for work. I was always late. If I did show up, I was puking. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was absolutely trash. And I wasn't learning anything. 2019, I was 21. Uh, it had been about four or five times. I'd get my paycheck in Corona, and I'd cash it out, go to the bar, and I'd drive down to San Diego after about three or four hours in the bar. And I'd drive down to San Diego absolutely plastered. I'd go to the bars down there Saturday, Sunday, drive back up three or four weeks in a row. Three or four weeks in a row, my dad would have to come find me in the driver's seat with the keys in the ignition, passed out, about to drive home, passed out drunk. And, uh, you know, they sat me down and said, you got to you gotta get some help. We're done. You know, we can't, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep finding you like this. So I went to a sober living in Ventura, Oxnard. I didn't know what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be a bunch of smelly old alcoholics. You know, I didn't picture myself as a, as a real alcoholic. You know, I knew I had a problem. I liked to have fun, but I never thought I'd need any help for it. And I definitely didn't know what the program of Alcoholics Anonymous could offer me. I went to Sober Living for two months. I got a sponsor within the first week. I started working the steps, got up to step four with that sponsor, and I moved back to San Diego. Um, you know, within the first two months, reading the doctor's opinion, reading, uh, reading Bill's story, um, showed me that, like I said before, is, is if I'm not drinking, I have that obsession something that I totally related with. Uh, and then once I take that first drink, I get, I'm off and running, I can't stop the allergy. These little things that is real simple. Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, it's a simple program. You know, it's not hard. We fucking make it hard. I make it hard. You know, I overcomplicate. I'm overanalyzing right fucking now talking to you guys. And I don't even know why. Like, I should be chilling up here. It's just who I am and, and it's a part of me. So I go into sober living and I come back, Cole and Steve and all these guys are talking about what you're going to do when you get out of here and shit. You know, that's the same thing I thought about. I had panels come in and I'd ask them, what do you guys, you know, what do you guys have for me? Like, when I go back home, what, to, what should I do? What should I expect doing? And like, I'm freaking out thinking I'm going to go out and drink when I get back home. And um, these guys, you know, they said, get a list of meetings lined up, you know, get, get my phone number, get a bunch of phone numbers, start reaching out to people at meetings in your area, get connected as fast as you can. You know, if you guys get out of this place and, and you guys go back home and you start hanging around the same old people doing the same old shit, you ain't gonna stay sober. You could, you know, you might be able to for a while, but you sit in a barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a fucking haircut. I know we've all heard that shit. I got back home, I was with a girl, you know, two months sober, she had told me that she, and this is like the love of my life. Like, come on guys, this is like, this is the one, right? 
I'm gonna marry this chick. And two months sober, she told me that she had cheated on me with my best friend. You know, for the longest time, I fucking, I hated her for it. You know, I hated him, I hated her. You know, poor me, I'm the fucking victim. And that's how I played it off for, fuck, a year. You know, and I was still sober. I didn't want to drink. I had found AA. You know, I was going to meetings. I felt a lot better. I wasn't hang hungover. I wasn't, you know, coming down all the time. So I found AA, and I wanted to stick with AA. But I also wanted to fix everything. You know, I, I learned about the steps. You know, I, I wanted to fix my whole life. I wanted to do five, six, seven, eight, nine, and in two months, you know, and I hadn't, I hadn't gotten there. The steps were in order for a reason. So I, I hated this girl, and I, and I played the victim. You know, I wrote it out in my fourth step. I talked about it in my fifth step. I, t I saw, I, I got to six and seven, I saw my character defects, and, and, and then I got to eight and nine. And it talks about how the way I drank and the way I used pushes the ones who love me to their breaking points. You know, the ones that think so much of me as a human my drinking pushes them to, the, to do things that they would have never done if I wasn't sober, if I wasn't, you know, me. And that, con that concept for me was something that, I, one, I never heard before, and two, never even thought about, man, it's, maybe it wasn't her. Like, yeah, she, you know, she did something fucked up, and I've moved past that, and we're actually, I made amends to her for it. But it all derived from me drinking, you know, and, and even with the, the, my homeboy, made amends to him too, because I had to. I did things in AA that I never wanted to do. The program has taught me to not hold on to resentments, you know, look at myself, not play the victim, and, and it's given me a set of principles, like Chad was saying, that I can choose to live by or not to live by. I wanna read something real quick and I'll be done. It's on page 550 of the big book. Uh, it says, AA has given me a serenity of purpose and the opportunity to be of service to, uh, and to the people about me. I am a serene, and I am serene in the infallibility of these principles that I provide the, the fulfillment of my purpose. AA has taught me that I have peace of mind in exact proportion to the peace of mind I bring to the lives of other people. It has taught me, that, taught me the true meaning of the admonition, happy are ye who, these things, who know these things and do them. For the only problems I have now are those I create when I break out in a rash of self-will. Like I've been sober for a little over two years. You know, I've worked the steps. I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. You know, I've gone through calling him. I've gone through the big old woes, and and I'm still learning things and I'm still growing. But all the shit that I deal with today is my own fucking self self wills. You know, self will run riot. I the things that go on in my head. It's not because I got fucked up last night and I fucked someone over. You know, these are all things that growing up in AA, growing up sober, being so young, buying a, my first home, you know, getting a bike, riding with a bunch of other dudes, you know, doing these things that I've never done before, you know, being, being how old I am, being who I am. I'm, I'm blessed today. I'm grateful today. There's, there's a lot that, you know, we can get into and talk. I, th I guess I kind of went over my time. You know, that's all I got. I'm alcoholic. My name's Jacob. Thank you. My name is Jeff. They call me Pinky. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Pinky. Uh, unlike these lying motherfuckers, I will be quick. <laughs>
So let me see. I'm 51, so my drunk log started at 10 years old, so we won't get into it. Um, I drink, use drugs. I don't care what the drugs are. I prefer meth and heroin, but whatever you got to clear my head so I don't have to think about myself is, is, is what I'll take. Or whatever I can steal from me, I don't give a shit. Quickly, though, I, I got into this program, you know, um, I crawled in here. That gift of desperation that the book talks about, that's how I got here. You know, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and sick and tired of being alone. Sick and tired of being fucking sick and broken and sick and tired of working sick and tired. And, you know, I was I was done when I got here. Uh, I went to a fancy rehab. You know, I have good insurance, so I got to go to a fancy rehab. So, you know, I don't have any experience in a place like this. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, rehab is rehab. I didn't take advantage of any of the fancy shit. When I was went to rehab, like I said, I was there and I was desperate. And all I wanted to do was... I wanted the information to get better. I wanted to, you know, do what they wanted me to do. Uh, you know, I didn't want to go to the fucking beach. I didn't want to put around on a bicycle. I, I was there to get better, and, and, and that's what I did. But with that, you guys are given a gift by coming here, whether you come off the gate or whether you came out from under the fucking bridge or whether, you know, mama sent you here or wifey sent you here, whatever the fucking deal is. You know, be give, given a gift to come here and, and, and get uh, your recovery. But that gift only take you so far. I mean, you you got to put in the work to get recovery. you got to put in the work. It's a daily reprieve, but it requires daily work. So um, my sobriety date is February 1st, 2014. Unlike Chad, I was six months sober and got my face tattooed. I'm not no fucking pussy. I did it after I was sober. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a daily reprieve. This program is a daily reprieve. you got to have a sponsor. you got to work the steps. You know, you got to get into the book. You got to get into the writing. You got to get into all the shit you don't want to get into. You know, it's like you said, when you're sitting in the cell thinking about, you know, when you're sitting in your room and thinking about it, all that shit you're thinking about is the shit you need to put down on paper. You just write it out. You'll be amazed. You know, and I always say that going through the steps is a gift that normal people don't get to go through. You, you go through the 12 steps of AA or NA, whatever, you're going to find out who you are, what you are and what you're capable of and what you're not capable of doing. It'll, it'll take you through that. Um, so when you're sitting on your ass and those remember, those thoughts that you're having about how I fucked this person over or I was that person, you know, it's, that's the stuff you start jotting down on paper and it gets you it gets you a weight lifted off your shoulders when you get through the steps. You know, each step takes you through a new platform into a new, you know, and the way I did them was work a step and, and then implement it into my life and then work a step and implement it into my life. And I also did them the fast way where we went through it in... In about two weeks, like Chad said, I'll take it, hell, I'll take you through all 12 in one day. You'll be broken motherfucker, but I'll get you through all 12 in one day. <laughs> if you do it the old way, you know, it's four things you got to go through that encompasses the 12 steps. It's in the big book, last paragraph of the page 164 gives it to you. It's a daily reprieve. I get it every day by doing something for, I do something for my program and I do something for the program. Every day I'm, I wake up. Every night I put my head in the pillow, I say my prayers, and, I, you know, I put my head in the pillow sober. And that's the only thing in this program I do correct, believe me, is I put my head in the pillow sober. It's not so much that I'm a fuck-up, it's just that I have a bad attitude. So you know, I, I've learned that you don't have to like everybody in recovery. It's not a fucking requirement. I don't got to hug everybody. I don't got to love everybody. I can dislike you in this program if I choose to. It's my fucking preference. Once I was told that, it was, it was a, you know, I have a bad attitude. It's just the way I am. I was born this way, I guess. The Prince of Prictum, I've been told I am, so. <laughs> yeah, this is a daily reprieve, man. You know, I wake up every day, like I said, I do something for my program, and I do something for the program, and that keeps me sober every day.
I do business with normal people because I have to do business with normal people. Otherwise, my life revolves around being with sober people in, in some form or fashion. I prefer to do business with, with people in the program. If I have that option, I will. You know, It's not hard to find somebody in this program that does every fucking thing. So I prefer to do business with program people. It's just not all of them, but they're much more trustworthy. I keep it all in-house if I can. Like I said, it's a daily reprieve. You gotta work the steps, you gotta get a sponsor. You gotta be open, honest, willing. And I always say you gotta be courageous when you do the steps. You gotta be courageous. You gotta put it on paper. You gotta sit across the table from another man and, and give it those deep, dark secrets. And that's the shit that, that takes the weight off your shoulders and allows you to move freely through this program. You don't have that shit on your shoulders, those deep, dark secrets for what's, you know, not because you fucked a guy over a dope deal. Said shit you never told your mom or your dad or your old lady or your girlfriend or, you know, those secrets that you keep with you when you when you go to bed every night. Those are the ones you got to get up on the table, you know, making amends and then giving it back to everybody. But it's, it's a daily reprieve. You do it every day. It's not that hard. Some people make it hard. It's, cool. it, it's going to require you to put effort into it. It's going to be some pain, some tears. If you do it right, it should be. But it's a daily reprieve, and, and if you do it every day, you, you stay sober. I'm a little over seven, seven and a half years or something like that now. If a guy like me can get sober, trust me, every time I take a chip, I buy one and send it to these fucking assholes where I came from in Orange County that said I would never get or stay sober. I send them one in the mail all the time. Just let them know, let them know that I'm still taking chips. Yeah, man, it's a daily reprieve. You get up every day, you do it. You go to bed every day, you do it again. So with that, that's how you do a quick one. Thank you. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic. I'm also an addict. I'm a dual diagnosed. I've done a lot of drugs, done a lot of booze. I love coming here, guys. You know, before I, before I share... I always pray and just, you know, ask God for some infinite wisdom to share some philosophical shit, and it doesn't always happen right. But, uh, you know, I have a sobriety date of uh, 3-17-19, and uh, I didn't choose that date. And the eight days before that were hell. Um, I crashed uh, March 9th of 2019. I, I rear-ended two cars, stopped at a stop sign, blacked out drunk, broke some ribs, Spent the next eight days on my friend's couch because my wife kicked me out. Um, and I spent those le the next eight days drinking heavily. Part of it was to kill the pain, and part of it was just kill my pain, just the pain that I was feeling inside. And finally, at the time, I turned myself into sober living, and that's not what it was at all. It was finally surrendering to the fact that I was an alcoholic. You know, I spent, I spent 17 months in that sober living. That's where I met the messengers. That's where... Uh, you know, I had, I had a sponsor that was a hard ass that told me how it was and how it's supposed to be. You know, taught me that, that living sober for, for even him was, was possible. He's a pain in the ass, but I love that man because he, he gave me the tools to, to continue with what I'm doing now. You know, I'm blessed, man. You, you've heard it all here tonight. It's, uh, it, it's a program that you've you got to do some work. You got to get in those steps. You got to get a sponsor. You got to work those steps to the best of your ability. You got to get real. You got to get real with yourself and with another man. You got to let it go, man, because you know what? I'm 
I think, 785 days today. Not counting or anything. That's a lot of one day at a times. I got a cousin with t- coming up on 26 years. And when I first got sober, all, we, all he used to tell me was one day at a time, one day at a time. I'm like, after 20, at the time, 24 years, you know, one day at a time. And you, st- you still, li- I still live this program one day at a time. He still lives his program one day at a time. And you have to, man. You got to. You got to wake up and wake up and hit your knees and pray and uh, thank God for waking you up sober and just push through. Man, I've lost I've lost some good people. My best friend I, I lost in sobriety from COVID. We lost a club brother in sobriety. And one thing that when 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 Corners died, one thing that hit me was that man died after a meeting. He was sober. He was on his motorcycle. Man, if, if I can go out that way, please take me. You know, this program is awesome. Like you've heard also, if you, if you need a phone number, ask. You know, we're here. This is what we do. You know, everyone, everyone outside of my work circle I deal with is, is sobriety, and, and that's all I do. I do my sobriety just like I did my alcoholism. I went full bore. You know, I'm the addict that will steal your shit and help you look for it. I'm the addict that's got $500 in his pocket out stealing cars and in Target stealing shit. You know, I'm, I'm the alcoholic that sits outside the liquor store at 7.05 calling the owner because he hasn't opened the fucking door yet. Like, hey, where you at, bro? Come on, man. It's, it's 7.05. Like, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with where I'm at in life. I'm blessed that I get to ride with the messengers of recovery. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm here. And I hope you guys got something out of what each and every one of us had to say and uh, just keep coming back one day at a time thank you that was it for tonight from the messengers of recovery riverside make sure you tune in next week